0: This is Community Echoes and I'm Phyllis Warren. Today is a very special day and I have a very special guest. We are going to talk about Friday's holiday regarding truth and reconciliation and uh, what it means to people and maybe steps that we could take to help move this along. So today we have Sabina Dennis on. Hi Sabina, are you there? Yes,
1: I'm here, and I'm um, here with my sister as well. Come by
0: Dennis. Oh, hi. Hello. Yes. So let's sit and talk about um, truth and reconciliation and what it means to us and how we can get that message out. Sabina, what do you think?
1: Well, the terminology used now for... Our step forward truth and reconciliation really bring forth um, a ton of emotions really it's a it's a loaded terminology because the truth is only coming out now and it's left us in in a lot of states of grief mourning healing and a lot of work to do to address the truth um, in the beginning phases here and as as far as I've known and noticed, the government and the way the process has had begun after um, the survivors and their testimonies were all taken over about six years in 2000, probably nine to 2015, where the Truth and Reconciliation Commission brought forth their 94 points that need to be addressed by the government to shift into this um, positive action towards the the reform of systems that have perpetuated genocide upon our people. And so, yeah, it's really hard to hear those words even when there's so much truth being uncovered at this very time.
0: Right, yes, and and that includes the graves that were found, and um, I think that was a shock to all Canadians to find out that the hidden truth was finally uncovered.
1: And also on that point is that our people have for years and years, the survivors were telling the stories of those graves and our people knew they were there it's like only now when they're being uncovered are we being believed because we're validated by the evidence and there are still a lot of mysteries and talks that indigenous people have of stories that are still being uncovered and aren't believed yet that maybe one day those will also come to light as true to the average Canadian. So I feel that finally the survivors' truths are being listened to and heard and that that could be maybe some slight weight off their shoulders that they've had to carry that without being believed for so many years, and now that people have to recognize it and believe it, I feel that might be a small step towards a little bit of easing that pain for um the truth does create reconciliation because our people are a forgiving people and we want to forgive and we want to grow and move on and heal um, yes. as nations, nation to nation.
0: Yes. Yes, of course. And, you know, this isn't just the people who went to residential school, but it's the families that were raised from them. And this is where we get the intergenerational problems. Um you know, uh, you hear stories that these children were taken at the age of four and five and taken to residential schools, and most people think that, oh, well, a school holiday is the summer holidays. They must have went home, but they didn't. They were used to do the crop work, to look after animals, if there was any animals there, and then go back to school. So... Therefore, they didn't see how their parents could raise them, and therefore they had a hard time raising their own children. Is that not true?
1: Absolutely. Um, My sister and I here are second-generation survivors, so our father, a first-generation survivor, went to the Lajac Residential School here across the lake from where I live as Bucut which is now known as Fraser Lake by the average people mm-hmm. um, so yes we also were raised within that perpetuated trauma I'll say and that what we have had to face in our generation is it was it was hard it was hard to be raised you know without with such a loss of our language of our culture but for some reason the strength and resilience of the survivors was so great that not only were they able to give us some of the tools of our culture and retain that like a sacred bundle that they packed throughout this um, traumatization and torture they were able to carry with them this sacred bundle and within that I feel is is truth and reconciliation which a lot of terminology you know it it turns people off and and they tend to say well it's dead truth and reconciliation is dead because Canada has not really done the work to meet those criteria those 95 recommendations by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and very few of those have been addressed and one of them on that, was actually that there should be a national holiday to recognize the pain and suffering of the children, and that was one thing that was done. Yes. So, we can say that today on Friday when we're meditating on this situation that we can say, you know, we're one step, a few steps towards hopefully recreating a system that can suit our people and benefit our people and all people. Because now, okay, we have all these past atrocities to deal with, yet the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking and it's way past due. And now all the children in Canada are at risk because of the the growing climate catastrophes. And it's all perpetuated within our system of government that supports industry above life. And that's what has caused all the genocide in the beginning was that the land was worth more than human life. The minerals were worth more than human life. The the animals, the skins were worth more than human life. And so now we're faced with the same governmenting system that is putting all our children at risk Every color, every creed, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: all in the name of capitalism. And so as as much as I want everyone to focus on Indigenous rights and issues, the clock is way past time. It It is now time for us all to come together, address these imbalances within our system that creates not only pain for the people, but... upon our lands, our waters, and upon all people, all bodies, our animals suffering, our waterways polluted. It's all all interconnected. And, you know, as much as I want our nations to heal and have all these processes and um, aids to help us get to those places like we need child our child welfare system needs reform the RCMP system needs reform the healthcare system needs reform and these are all addressed within that report by the truth and reconciliation commission
0: mhm and, yeah.
1: and not just for indigenous people it has to be for all people and it has to be for the earth
0: Yes, and and that's what I mean. This needs to address what we are all going through because here in our community, we look out the window and we can see the turmoil that um, second-generation survivors are going through. You know, um just the other day I was wearing a shirt that said, Every Child Matters. And this gentleman came into the store and he goes, huh. Every child matters. I'm tired of hearing that. And I said, yes, every child matters. They're our future. It doesn't matter what color they are, what race they are, what religion. They're our future. So every child matters. And he looked at me, and he goes, that's right. And I said, yeah, so we need to recognize that our children are our future. And he just changed. You could see the change on him when I had replied back that way. And to me, I felt like, hey, I opened that door up just a little bit by saying that. Because it is our children and our future. And it's every child in Prince George that we have to be concerned about.
1: And that's actually a prime example of a societal view that proves that our society is in need desperately of uh, compassion to be integrated and morality, care, empathy into into the way our society views Indigenous people. Mm-hmm. And that type of rhetoric is a prime example of an unhealthy society. Yes. And it's it's also proof of of how um, there's a lack of education within the education systems that cre- would create that type of empathy. When people actually know deeply the truth, they can't not help but to feel compassion and care. Yes. So it's 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 a very common conceptual reality of Canadians that you know yes they're tired of hearing about it because it's. Painful and often as as humans, we don't want to feel pain because we'd, we'd rather somehow be nullified in this um, way that we can operate within um, the world as it is today and the state it's in with all the turmoil. It's mm-hmm. hard to feel comforted and safe. So when we have to address issues of healing and... The way we affect on a personal level Indigenous communities, it's it's chaotic and hard. And uh, quite frankly, I don't think people know how to really begin that process because the truth, like I said, has yet to be told and understood and felt.
0: So I've been thinking, you know, part of getting the truth out there. Do you think the history of residential schools should be taught? at schools now, both elementary and high school, in a course of history or, you know, um, something to bring awareness to the children? Or do you think it should just be in high school and part of the history lessons of Canada?
1: Well, it is one of the points as well, of the commission of the 94 points is that they believe that it needs to be taught uh, from kindergarten to grade 12 at different levels of competency. And uh, of course, of what people can handle at what age, but that it should be a part of the education of children in the public schools, because you know, that's one way of stopping atrocities from happening is educating people in that, you know, these things have happened and that we cannot repeat these and there are reasons why they've happened that need to be addressed so that, you know, we can dismantle these systems that are actually still still perpetuating the um, taking of children and the, the removal of Indigenous people from their lands, And, you know, so I do believe that we need to educate our children, but... Above all, I feel that we need to integrate our beliefs and values into the public education system, that we can teach language, make that uh, more of a priority and culture to all nations and make it mandatory that it's a part of um, everyone's education and that it's, it's actually specified to the nation where you live, that there's enough funding available for Indigenous Studies and Education And curriculum building that every nation, because our our Indigenous nations are so unique, there needs to be a lot of study and funding into curriculum that can be infused into the school systems that are cultural, that are helping our people, not just teaching of our atrocities, but going beyond that and starting to infuse some of our values and the way we educate our children into the public school, school system so that um, our ways can help heal the nation. I believe our Indigenous teachings and our Indigenous laws are all people's tribal laws from the beginning. So huh. we all, of all nations, have followed these deep tribal universal laws, and our Indigenous nations, only until recently, all, all followed the laws right. and principles, protocols of the land. And I feel like if we could educate and infuse our ways into the government and into schools, into the RCMP and reform all of those systems that respect and actually participate in our laws and our educational values, I feel like the country of Canada, maybe that name wouldn't even be anymore. But that was a term of the past that maybe the, the name Canada would transform into something that everyone could feel proud of again and stand behind. Because as it stands, there's a lot of Indigenous people who cannot relate to being a Canadian. They relate to being Indigenous. And even um, non-Indigenous communities are having, finding it harder to have pride in their country. Right. You know, because of the truth coming out and because of these people addressing um the atrocities but also the benefits and the beauty of our culture that they're like, wow, there is another way.
0: Right. And and backing up that point is is that, you know, this year I was getting a hold of some of my friends and acquaintances and wishing them happy Canada Day. And I was amazed at how many of them hurt so bad that they didn't want to acknowledge Canada Day, you know, because of things taken away from them. And, you know, um, it was like we shouldn't be celebrating something when they didn't want us here. And I was very shocked. Because, you know, a couple of years ago, we got together and and had, like, picnics and stuff, you know, to really celebrate Canada Day. But this year, none of them wanted to. And that's sad. There's a river of birds in migration. On day
1: a series of news and current affairs programs by and about women around the world, produced and distributed by the Women's International News Gathering Service.
2: Listen for Wings at its new time, Wednesday nights at 9.30, here on 93one CFISFM. CFIS-FM. Your Prince George Spruce Kings are opening their 2022-23 home season Friday in conjunction with the National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. Local Indigenous artist Clayton Gauthier has designed a special jersey the Spruce Kings will wear, and all fans attending the game will be given an orange T-shirt to commemorate the Day of Awareness. The night will also include Indigenous entertainment and ceremonies. Tickets are available online through sprucekings.bc.ca. Your Prince George Spruce Kings home opener, 7 o'clock Friday night at Copar Memorial Arena. The Prince George Potter's Guild is offering a Beginner Wheel Level 1 course starting December 7th. The program will run Wednesday and Fridays until December 16th from 6.30 to 9.30 under the instruction of Karen Heathman. The $200 course fee includes four evenings of instruction plus one month of studio time after classes, clay, and the use of the Guild's tools and glazing and firing during classes. Students are asked to be able to throw a cylinder before taking Wheel Level 2. For more information and to register, go to studio com slash programs. Forecast from Environment Canada for today's sunny, a high of 23. Tonight, clear. Fog patch developing overnight, a low of 5. On Tuesday, more sun and a high of 22.
0: And we're back from break. So, um Sabina, what do you think is next on the agenda that we need to do to start all of this besides having the holiday on Friday? and maybe teaching our children in schools the history, what else do you think we should be doing?
1: Well, um, my sister Kumba was just speaking on a very important, to me and to her, we both feel is one of the most important aspects of truth and reconciliation is that when we are hurt by somebody, when somebody does us wrong, you know we don't just ask for forgiveness we actually do some healing and we address what we've done wrong and we 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 stop doing those very things that created the genocide
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: we ask for forgiveness but the way the process is being sort of offered to us is that you know there's truth and reconciliation it's happening now and You know, it just feels like the perpetrator has not actually been accountable yet. And that is that a lot of the blame and focus is on the Catholic Church when in fact the federal government had every, every vested interest in the institutional, um, dismantling of our indigenous ways of life. Right. So um, I feel that things that we can do on an individual level are really educating ourselves and not only ourselves, but our family members, calling out perpetrators, calling them out. Don't silence yourselves any longer when you see abuses happening to any child. Like you said, every child matters. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's time for us to warrior up, anti up for our children. And it's, like I was saying, it's a global issue now with the climate. Yes. We can't hyper-focus on ourselves, and that's not our way as Indigenous people. We don't sit there and wallow and be victims, because we're not. We're leaders, and we're powerful, and we're healers, and we want our nation's be strong again so that we can protect our lands once again. And to me reconciliation only can come when our nations are strong enough to stand face to face with the Canadian government in our way, with our hereditary ways intact, face them and say our nation would like this upon our land and then, and then there will be re- reconciliation because that's what a reconciliation would mean is that we're we're back to where we need to be to make decisions and in a positive way for our people. We're not there yet. Yes. A big part of that is still and always will be the theft of our land. Yes. The appropriation of our lands, which all across Canada right now, we have 0.5% of all of Canada is Indigenous land supposedly into their paperwork view. Our Indigenous view has never changed. These are always and always will be Indigenous lands because we cannot live without it being our duty and responsibility to our lands. That's a part of our cultural beliefs. So not that it's our land, but that we are the Indigenous nations of these lands forever and always. But, by Canadian view, 0.5% of all of Canada is Indigenous land that we have say upon. That we have the right to uh, govern over, and only to degrees. So we have very far to go. We have so far to go when the doctrine of discovery is still a concept that is used to this day within the Catholic Church system and the Royal Proclamation still includes the Doctrine of Discovery and Terra Nullius. So right. you know, These are ancient views used by colonization from the beginning and, you know, archaic and we have to reform and change these, go back to these documents of the 1700s and rewrite them to include the um, UNDRIP on the rights of indigenous people.
0: Right, and right now some reserves are facing that they can, they don't have clean drinking water, and most of them also are facing a housing crisis that, you know, there's not enough homes on the reserves for everyone to be able to raise their children in their own house. And you know, I I look at all of this, you know, and think how could anybody allow 14 to 16 people live in a three bedroom house without proper drinking water? Is is that one step that we need to start taking in order to start going towards truth and reconciliation
1: That's right and if we if the government really means it that they want to, to move towards truth and reconciliation they really want to you know adopt these principles and and redress and reform the government systems that are oppressing us, if that's the truth of what they want, then I say yes to truth and reconciliation. I say yes, we need to work on that and move forward. I don't say reconciliation is dead because I don't give up. I don't give up on people because it's in everybody to heal. It's within us all to have the power and the mind power and mental capacity to rid ourselves of negative tendencies and uh, conditioning that disrupts the human condition to a point where we're not even, you know, a community anymore. The way the system has gotten so chaotic that everyone is so nuclearized that our communities have separated even our Indigenous communities as strong as they've been throughout history to come together to remain together, to feast together even that is threatened right now in this modern day and age where everyone feels so alone we need to work on community building and that's what I suggest for everyone out there work on your community building join community events that are that are bettering your community making more sustainable communities Uh, projects that support homeless people um, that protect women and children, all these things that are supposed to be taken care of by the RCMP, the protection, child welfare, all those systems that are failing us are really up to community members to join together, join groups that already exist, create new ones that are, are there to do direct action and to help homeless people directly, to help children directly and not to rely on the systems of government to do that for us. We are thinkers. We are not followers. And Indigenous people have always been problem solvers. And I believe that we have a part to play, a huge role to play, in fact, in not only uh, reforming the government systems to something that is, um, once again, respectful to all life and all all human life and all life on this planet but also that is able to ensure a safe future for our children all children that this earth is protected that the that we can remain on this earth it's it's getting to a point where you know i i fear for our children's futures all children matter
0: yes yes and Do you think part of this homeless problem that communities are now facing is a side effect of the second generation of residential schooling and that we just need more than rehab? We need to treat the person, and hopefully they can come back and join our society as... um, Uh, a person that can go on and teach us what they have all been through?
1: Yeah, there is so much value within the communities that have been built upon the loss of homes. You wouldn't believe in Vancouver the community, the sense of community downtown Eastside has Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in comparison to a well-off community where they're caring about each other, feeding each other, talking to each other. You know, there are things that society can learn from the homeless communities that we aren't even able to achieve, like feeding people, like like coming together and clothing people. And, you know, just the level of care that they have for one another is, it's a lesson for all of us. And if we could see the value in that, and build off of it. I feel like we could not only help those communities, but to to integrate that into a, the bigger communities. I mean, you know, so. we may maybe we can join them, not on the street to live there with them, but to to learn from them how they're able to cope and function. And it's a lot to do with their care for one another and their love. And yeah. if we could even have a slight amount of that, I think that we would invest more in the care of those people. Like, it's it's not about social programs always necessary. It's about the social view of those people as an entirety. And that's once again a sickness of our, our society and it's a display and of the level of sickness in our society when we cannot... Take care of our own homeless people, especially Indigenous peoples whose lands we reside upon. There is no respect there, or um, it, it's like, uh, it's almost sad to say, but the system is designed to keep us down. Right. It is designed to be the ultimate and the authority over all. Right. And they, the Sadly, those in the positions of power don't even have a say because the system itself is corrupt. So even if they want to change that system, the laws within the system are so corrupt that it's become an entity on its own. It has its own power, and that's why we need to reform. We need to reform. We need to, at the highest levels, we need to change laws that protect industry for one because those same laws are are the ones that stole land took land from our people and put them into residential schools
0: right and on that too is that you know I, I heard a story years ago that South Africa came to Canada to look at residential schools to look at the reserves And then they went back to uh, South Africa and started the apartheid. So it was a learning block for them to come here and see how everything was implemented. And, you know, now we are stuck with the homeless problem. We are stuck with our children still being taken away by the welfare system. And... No one is helping us to get to a place where we can live in our communities, look after our elders, look after our children, you know, and look after our troubled homeless people and the addictions that are ravaging them today. Is that, is that not true?
1: It is so true, sadly. It's, it's almost as though um, sometimes it felt as though we, we're invisible. And it's easier for people to not look at the issue and just keep going on the same track that we're on, like like a fast-moving train that can't, they can't see themselves stopping it, but they are a part of it. So, you know, it's hard for people to imagine, you know, changing their ways right now. But it's so urgent and dire that we do that, you know, I truly believe we have to put everything aside, all the past atrocities, always remember it and look forward to a better way and actually focus, very hard focus upon all of our our survival right now. Because yes, we were, had to survive. We had to survive residential school system, smallpox, the degradation of our lands, everything. But now we are all in this boat of survival together. And so we're going to have to band together. We're going to have to work together as communities, non-reliant upon governments, industries, and all these institutions that are there to kind of dictate what we learn, how we view justice, how we educate, and to actually move in towards being responsible. Being responsible, taking accountability as we are meant to, as each human is meant to. We are not meant to be told what laws are. We are meant to feel them and know them because it's like um, it's our inner... Strength. it's our it's our moral compass
0: right and and that's just part of it you know, and we need to get back to our roots and we need our own community leaders to help us start the walk back and build a future for everyone you know um, and yourself and your sister. Do you feel strongly that this can happen for us?
1: Go ahead, Pumba. I feel that we are lucky and we get to see people who are, have open enough minds to hear the truth and want to do the healing
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and help support the healing and on all levels as individuals and as systems. So I do feel like it's possible because I see it, but I also see the opposite, sadly, where there's the closed minds and the, the inability to want to change, like my sister was talking about. Mm-hmm. But I feel like what she was saying, the sickness in society where we can't even support one another has to change, and it is changing. But I also have to strongly agree with my sister that we have to do it as individuals because that will be much faster than how the systems will change. We have to really... Do the work on a daily basis. Look at the language we use. Be very careful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The things we say when we say it's a holiday. that Even saying that is so hurtful. We just have to show a level of care and respect to all. Yes. All the time. And those systems, we have to work on them as well. Mm-hmm. because those those systems are what are, is hurting us on a daily basis but if we are supporting one another and learning we are not going to allow that to continue Right. so as an individual basis the healing has to happen we have to help we have to help the people who are suffering and did these things to hurt others We have to help them heal
0: somehow. Right. So with that, we're going to take another break here. And let's talk about what we can do as individuals to help ourselves and everything. So we're just going to take a break and we'll come back to you and Sabina. Thank you. The
2: Prince George RCMP are looking for 41-year-old Michael Douglas Platt wanted for sexual assault, sexual interference, invitation to sexual touching, access to child pornography, possession of child pornography, and breaching his court-ordered conditions. Mr. Platt is described as a Caucasian male, 6 feet tall, 170 pounds, blonde hair and green eyes, with a tattoo on his left arm of chains and skulls. Platt should be considered violent and should not be approached. If you know his whereabouts, call the RCMP at 250-561-3300. The Seniors Resource Center has plenty of programs and support services for those
1: 55-plus. An affordable lunch can be delivered through Meals on Wheels, non-medical needs be covered through Better at Home, and the Housing and Community Navigator can help locate housing and other valuable resources. Call 250-564-5888 for more information, or stop by the Prince George Council of Seniors Resource Center between 9 and 3, Monday through Friday, at the corner of 7th and Victoria. If you have a relative or friend with a
2: severe and persistent mental illness, the BC Schizophrenia Society can help. Their regional teams across the province are running many programs to provide support, awareness, and tools to help family members cope with their loved one's mental illness. Family support, sibling support, kids and teens in control drop-in, and their new course, Strengthening Families Together. Find out more about the program that's right for you at bcss.org the B.C. Schizophrenia Society, a reason to hope, the means to cope. Forecast from Environment Canada for today's sunny, a high of 23. Tonight, clear. Fog patches developing overnight, a low of 5. On Tuesday, more sun and a high of 22.
0: And we're back. Um, about community helping and recognizing and everything else like that, I have to give a shout-out to the... Um, hockey team here in town on Friday they are giving out orange t-shirts this is the Spruce Kings and I think that is a fantastic idea of accepting and understanding that it's such a special day so one little step can start a magnitude of different changes and I appreciate that the Spruce King, or yes, the Spruce Kings are doing this. So that's one step. But what can we all do?
1: Yeah, well, um, I'd say if we could just go back to the sort of like we're at this stage where we could be welcomed right now, into this territory by our Indigenous nations. We've always been welcoming people. And I feel like in the very beginning, when the European settlers came to this country, they didn't actually wait to be welcomed here. They didn't have us sing a song in and drum them in, and they didn't respond with their song. That is the way of our people when they come to visit our territory, and the Europeans didn't ever do that. They didn't ever receive a welcoming And Mm -hmm. I think that our people would receive all the settler allies and all the settler people onto the lands who wanted to be, that they could still come to our nations and ask to be welcomed. And then once they receive that welcoming from our people, they will also feel that welcoming from the land itself. Because the land actually and the Mother Earth has a spirit. She is a living being. And and, uh, the people of that territory are so spiritually connected to the land that the mountain spirits, water spirits all resonate within their bodies. And I feel like the nations that come here, once they give the proper acknowledgement and respect to the land and to the people of the land, I feel that they would be gifted in return by a bit of infusion of the spirit of our land. Once you accept the beauty, the true beauty of the earth here, and learn to love and respect this earth in all ways, and all the animals as their home that we reside upon, and um, learn some of our, our ways, just even learn some of our protocols, okay? Like respect, respect your earth, respect your elders, respect the children. Right. You don't prove too much, you know you you only take what you need from this earth and you give back to the earth. you give back to our mother. And so if if there are are ways that we could sort of go back go back to the beginning and say we are still landing here. you know it's been in our territories uh, 200 years since the settlers have moved into our territories we're like really wild west kind of type of people
0: mm-hmm. where
1: our elders still remember when when they only spoke house and when they barely saw a white person within our territory so i feel like If we go back to that moment in our minds, not that we can go back in time, but that we can acknowledge that we still need to be welcomed here to these lands, that we still need to learn these laws, and that once we take the time to invest in learning those ways and laws, like my sister was saying, I feel that we won't put up with these um, laws that support industry, that support colonization that supports
0: genocide so do you think that we need to start teaching our own children um, you know the arts and crafts and the language and the old ways and start telling stories of how things were done to build themselves up in order to meet today's society that they're going to be living in?
1: Absolutely. Those teachings, those drums, those rattles, those uh, tools for scanning, those are all tools of our people. Those tools carried us through hard times. They they carried us through starvation
0: mm-hmm.
1: of, of, you know, so... If we carry those tools this day, to this day, through these times, they will carry us through as well, because that is just the way of life. If you have those tools of survival, then you will survive. So, yes, we need to pick up our tools and teach our children how to use them and what they are. So, yes, we need to infuse our teachings into the public education systems. The earlier age, the better. Because the government knows, and they've used it against us, that when they can take our children from us at a young age and teach them their way, that we are more likely to be caught up in their um, conditioning. So if we can start to integrate our ways into the public education system and open the children's minds at a young age, teach them respect, teach them laws and protocols that are universal, all people... Across the, the earth, all cultures knew these universal laws at some point and will resonate and do resonate within each human because they're morality-based. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, yes, we need to, to educate our children. We need to pick up those tools, and yes, we will survive. But we can't just survive and expect to survive with the government handing us out, giving us food, giving us houses, giving us clean water, you know, and Indigenous people where we're at, we need to welcome other nations into our our homes and into our teachings and principles and adopt people into our nations like we always had in the past. And I'm not talking about appropriation, which to me is, is a term that's created so that it's It deters adoption, which is actually important for our nations. We've always adopted other people into our nations and our teachings, our cultural beliefs and values. And so I feel like it's an important piece of the puzzle is that we can educate non-Indigenous people in the same way we would educate our children. And that starts to me, at a very early age within the public school systems is a good access for that. So if there's uh-huh. people, if you're out there, you're a teacher, you know, pick up a book you're choosing to read to your class, choose an Indigenous book. You know, the curriculum doesn't say you have to write, you have to read this book written by a white author. Mm-hmm. The curriculum says read the book to the right. kids and make them do a report. So there are ways that we can infuse our, and even if you're non-Indigenous, well, you know, read a book that's Indigenous or, or or get a friend to come in and sit in on a class and have some uh, Indigenous views and insights into that teaching. Right. And, you know, that could be anyone. That could be, if you're a doctor, you know, if you're a nurse, think of the um, the systems of of the hospitals, how the treatment has been for Indigenous people. Think of those things. Study it and... See how you can change those behavioral patterns within yourself and just see how it affects everyone else in that hospital because nobody wants to, truly at the heart of everything, nobody wants to be doing something negatively against somebody and nobody further, if, they're, if it's their ego they're worried about, nobody wants to be um, viewed as, as a bad person. So they're willing to change whether it's for their own ego or if it's out of true compassion and empathy. So make that change and others will change around you.
0: And and not only that, you know, I remember when I went to elementary school, we ha- used to have an RCMP officer come in the spring to tell us bike safety and You know, all of us kids looked up to that man when he explained how to safely get off your bike and walk it across the road, how to ride your bike, how to make sure that your bike was rideable. And I think, as you were saying, maybe they need to go into our schools and start showing that positive role model to our children, that they can come forward to them in a time of need, and they are going to be heard. Wouldn't that help too? Um,
1: I just, I just would like to make a point to you
0: mm-hmm.
1: about our hereditary system, and that if if people would reach out to their local. Hereditary leaders, they have been raised and trained with this knowledge since birth. That is is our way. So we don't have to reinvent anything. So that is something everybody can do is reach out, find out who the hereditary leaders are in their territory. Mm Mm-hmm. And learn the protocols. And you don't have to, you don't have to do very much, but listen and learn. And I think that we really, as a whole society, have not really learned how to listen. Mm-hmm. To stop, to stop everything. Stop your mind
0: and absorb thinking
1: of the next words to say and just listen
0: well that's part of communication part of communication is talking and the other part is that you have to have an audience that is listening and absorbing what is being said to them you know and I think a lot of people have forgot about that basic skill of communication so so true you know. So
1: my point I just wanted to circle right back to it mm-hmm. is that there's beautiful laws, like my sister was saying, there's beautiful teachings and ways that we live with our with our earth and our people and we're connected and everything is connected. And these are very they're very much accessible if you reach out. So for me, Personally, I encourage every single person, every single system, everything to learn and listen to the hereditaries and what they can teach you. Because they have that ancient knowledge that has kept this beautiful continent so abundantly wealthy for so many people. So we all benefit from it. We mm-hmm. all need to connect to it and learn and listen.
0: Yes. Yes. You know, and and that's one tiny step that we can start doing now on our own. You know, and and getting people involved in our own communities and hopefully that can start spreading out to the bigger communities that surround our small communities.
1: Absolutely. And um, just before we have to head out here, I, I would like to say, I'd like to send my love and prayers out to all those survivors who may be having a hard time on this um, upcoming day, that Truth and Reconciliation Day, mm-hmm. and that um, anyone out there who has is a friend or relative of a survivor, that maybe it's a day you could think of reaching out and um, lending them a hand in whatever way you can. Also, the survivors of the survivors who are affected very much so as well. If you know, if you know people who who are um, emotionally un- more unstable and need some emotional support, you know, be there for them. And, um, I just want to say a prayer out to all those who may be suffering right now that ease and love comes into your heart and that you're able to heal and receive medicines during, during the times when it's needed and that we may all come together as a human race as one human nationhood to ensure the safety of all children.
0: Right. Exactly. So, you know, that's all we can do is start this small step on a long journey of healing.
1: Mm, Absolutely. And maybe sometimes it'll feel like, you know, we're walking carrying a huge load up a giant cliff and that we can barely stand it or walk any further, but just know that it's part of our human experience is not just the joyful moments, but also the struggle and the survival and the always at the root of it all in the center is the children, the love of our families and the care for our future generations. That, that burden Is not just carried by our nation, but all nations.
0: Right, right. And that, you know, if we just held hands, you know, with one another or gave our fellow person, our fellow neighbor a hug and support of what we are all going through, because we are all going through this. We're not alone and if we stand together and start doing things for ourselves and our communities, that that's one way that we can find healing and that we can find a secure future for ourselves. Is that not right?
1: It's the most beautiful way to wrap that up because for real, that is at the heart of it all, is that we all have... A sense of care, care and love for not only our children, but our family's children and our friends' children and our earth and our animals that we share this, this beautiful space with them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really appreciate you having us um, on the air today. And I really hope that you continue this work on educating the general public. And inspiring others to join your work in educating.
0: Yes, we need to get the word out there. That is my tiny step to give to other people who may not be able to voice their words. And, you know, I, I'm really glad that you came on, Sabina. You are so full of wisdom, and I cannot wait to see how you go forward with this message, too.
1: Thank you so much. Um, I just would like to say I'm starting to go into the public school systems and educate the children because I do believe the children are so important and so brilliant that not only are we teaching them but they will teach us everything we need to know to survive. Thank you so much, Masi.
0: Thank you for coming on, you and your sister. So that's today's show and I'm hoping that next week we can have another highly motivated person full of their wisdom and their own experiences that we can discuss their issues that they're facing. So this is Phyllis, and it's Community Echoes, and I hope to talk to you next week. Goodbye.
2: This is 93.1 CFIS FM in Prince George, proudly supported by community groups like the B.C. Old Time Fiddlers.